0: Jesus spoke about money more than heaven, hell, or prayer. In this series, we'll take a look at several of the things he said about money and how they apply to our life today. And we're starting a series today. Some of you have seen that before, that little video we just did, and you thought, man, the man goes on vacation, he preaches through movies, and now he repeats something he did last year. Like, this man doesn't work anymore. And uh, I do want to tell you, I'm not about to preach something I did last year. We started a series last year called Jesus Said. And the idea behind the series is that Jesus said some really bold statements. And we read the Bible all too often, like it's history, and we can separate ourselves from it. And how many times have you read a story in the Bible and you thought, "Boy, I'm glad I wasn't in that crowd. You know, as Jesus says some really hard things. But the reality is, as Jesus was talking, he was looking around and making eye contact with people. And you have to imagine What if you were the person that right as he says that really difficult statement, you're the one that he makes eye contact with? What do you do with what Jesus said? And so the idea behind the series is we either take ourselves back 2000 years ago and imagine we're the ones that Jesus made eye contact with at that moment. Or you imagine Jesus comes into your living room today. It just depends on who you want to do the time travel. But the point is we do have to wrestle with some very tough things. He said some tough things. So as we started the series last year, we realized like, Jesus said a lot, y'all. Did y'all know that? He said a lot. And so I could actually make a career out of this series. And so we kind of decided last year what we'd do is we'd just keep bringing it back. And so ever so often, we're going to look at some more of these bold statements that Jesus said. So as you can tell, uh, I was on vacation for a little bit, spent some time with my family, got some rest. But I was also actually here some of the time I wasn't preaching, just praying about where we are as a church and what God would have us do as we go into the second half of the year. And so I knew before uh, I took this break that I'd be doing the Jesus Said series, but I had not decided what statements we would be looking at. So over the last few weeks as I was praying, I really felt like God pointed out, hey, Jimmy, have you thought about where everybody actually is? That's a really obvious thought. Like I should, yeah, I I should look at the world around us. Like what are we actually talking about when we're not at church? And so for this series, what I felt God wanted us to do is to, to take a look at some of the things we are talking about every other day, what seems to be the biggest issues in our lives because Jesus talked about those. And so we're gonna look at four statements over the next four weeks where Jesus is talking to us about some things that I promise you are very, very relevant to you and me. Matter of fact, we're gonna start with one today, that I would go as far as to say is more relevant to you and me than it was to them 2,000 years ago. And I know that's a bold statement. I can't prove it in the next just few minutes, but I think you'll probably agree with me by the time I'm done. And what I'm talking about today that Jesus addressed that I think is more relevant for you and me are the statements he made about being anxious, the statements he made about anxiety. And the reason that I think it's more relevant for us today, two reasons, Uh, The first one is just their life was simpler. I, I know that they were worried about the future. I know that they were a little concerned about some things, but they did live in a simpler society with some simpler things in their lives. They didn't have people spread all over the world and trying to keep in touch with grandchildren in eight different states. Their family was close and communal. If they needed help, they actually had neighbors. Many of us don't know our neighbors' names. They got paid a day's wages for a day's work to buy a day's worth of food. Really, their biggest struggles were making sure that they kept the donkey alive on the way to market and the children were well fed. You and I, on the other hand, our lives are a little more complicated. We've got things like 30-year mortgages with numbers we don't even understand. Anybody applied for a mortgage and your banker said something like Prime plus one and a half or something like that? They were not talking about Amazon Prime memberships. We don't even understand these things. The minute your child is born, you have one moment to enjoy those little blue eyes. And then you have to start thinking, oh no, how am I gonna pay for college? How do we have to start a college? I mean, we are so overwhelmed with things that are going far and into the future and things we don't understand. I just think our world is more complex. And the second reason I say that is I'm gonna back that up with some statistics, statistics I can speak. Did you know that right now, Anxiety disorders are the number one mental health issue in our world today, affecting 20% of our population. That's one out of every five. And actually affecting 32% of 13 to 18 year olds. That's one out of every three. And those numbers only reflect the ones of us willing to talk to a doctor. Those numbers could be double or triple for all we know. And so I just wanna do a real quick timeout if I could, because sometimes teenagers come in and they think, oh, I'm just being dragged to church by my parents. I can't wait for youth group on Wednesday because that's for me. I wanna tell you today is for you. I believe every Sunday is for you as much as the adults, but in particular, if what we're talking about today, what Jesus addressed is hitting your age group more than anyone else, then please, today is for you. If you're a teenager, don't tune out, tune in. And then the second statistic I wanna share with you is if you take those anxiety disorders, at least half of the people who struggle with an anxiety disorder also struggle with depression and depression is currently the number one health issue, not mental health, number one health issue in our world today taking more lives every year than cancer. So I don't know about you, but I think if Jesus came back today, he'd speak on this issue maybe a little more strongly. Matter of fact, I think the chapter would would be twice as long in the Bible. And so that's what we're gonna look at today, a statement that Jesus made about the anxiousness that we face. But before we go on, I I do want to make sure my heart is not misunderstood today. I I don't come and try to address one of the most difficult issues in our world with the idea that, well, here's a Bible verse, now your life should be better. I don't come just waving a little finger and saying, now go. It's not like that at all. I, I completely understand this is a very complex issue. It's very challenging. And there are many reasons for some of the anxiety in our lives. Sometimes it is simply spiritual warfare. I mean, we have a devil who hates us and sometimes he just comes after us. And if you've ever been in a situation where you start feeling something that makes no sense and you realize it is just the devil coming down against you, right? Sometimes our anxiety comes from more complex mental health struggles that we're having. But also some of the anxiousness and the anxiety in our lives does come from things we can actually control and change. And I believe that's what Jesus was addressing. It it comes from the way that we live our spiritual lives. What is the condition of our spiritual health as well as the decisions we make in our natural lives? And I think that's really what Jesus is talking about and can definitely help us with today. So I wanna make sure everybody understands I'm not believing that I can solve every mental health or medical problem, nor do I think that one Bible verse, you know, solves everything that's going on. But I would want to ask you, will you allow Jesus to speak to you on this issue today? And if you would, then join me. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25. If you don't want to follow along, don't worry. It'll be right here on the screen. And our Jesus said statement of today is, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life. And again, those are such simple words, but for some of us, that's really hard to just choose to do. Just don't be anxious. But what are you going to do if at a moment where you are panicking and you are a little frustrated and you're a little afraid and and you imagine being back 2000 years ago and Jesus just looking at you and saying, do not be anxious. What are you gonna do? Let let me give you an illustration that that I struggle with in my life. I'm not real glad to admit this because you know, sometimes we like to keep our fears kind of private, but the reality is I am deathly afraid of heights. Maybe that comes from only being 5'5 in the first place. You know, you just never got above a threshold and, and whatever. But, but I, I, I'm just deathly afraid of heights and none of you get to laugh at me, especially those of you just smiled and chuckled. I saw that. But anyway, uh, you know, just a, a little while ago, Pastor Kent and Pastor Eric and I, we were on a, a retreat planning uh, for, you know, the, the coming year. And so uh, we took a, a moment away because we were down on the coast. We needed a little brain break. And so we went and climbed a lighthouse that was on the island where we were. And I realized that my feelings towards being afraid of heights are totally illogical and make absolutely no sense whatsoever. But I can't seem to control them when I get into a high place. Matter of fact, I can walk to the front of this stage and I can, can, can actually lean half of my foot off of it and I can even whoop lean forward. And I'm not afraid to do that. Worst case scenario, I would have lost the camera view, but I would have only landed three feet down. And that's not a big deal. I've jumped off this stage many times. But if this were the edge of that lighthouse. I would not have done that. Matter of fact, I would not even be this close. I would be preaching against that wall back there, hoping that you can all see me. And so as we climbed to the top of the lighthouse, and we got to this window or the door, you know, you're in the dark going all the way up and you come to the door and out into the light. And Kent, he just bounces out into the light. Whoa, this is great up here. And, and he goes over to this little cast iron railing that's been there for 200 years. And it's half eaten away by the corrosion and the sea salt. And looks like he could just die at any moment when he leans over it. And he's like, oh, look how high we are. And he's just having a good time. And Eric comes bouncing out of the door. And he's like, oh, look at all the islands that are over there and I can see all of this. And I peel myself out of the doorway with my back up against the wall as they're just smiling. And I make my way all the way around the entire lighthouse, but (laughs) there was no way for a fly to even fit between me and the wall. And the good news is Kent and Eric, neither one made fun of me or said anything stupid at that moment, like people have done. I don't know if they're just kind or they like their jobs. But (laughs) if you've ever been in a situation like that, I have been in a situation where someone just looked at me and goes, what's your problem, man? Why are you afraid? Just don't be afraid. And you just want to slap him. Y'all know what I'm saying? You just, just give me your face. Here's the problem. We can't slap Jesus, y'all. When he says, don't be anxious. We actually have to wrestle with that. We don't get to slap him because here's the theological foundation. Before we can say anything, I want to make sure everybody understands something about this. Jesus doesn't tell you to do something you can't do. Jesus does not give us a command to do something we're incapable of. So when Jesus says, do not be anxious, it means it's actually within our control to do that. Jesus didn't tell Peter to walk on the water except that he could, right? Well, that's when he told him he did, he did. He told Lazarus to come out of the tomb because Lazarus did. And so if you need God's supernatural hand on you to not be anxious, then it's available. If you need to change something in your practical life, Jesus is saying that you can. Jesus is not telling us to do something we cannot do. We all need to understand that right now. So before you say, do not be anxious, turn the page, I'm done with that. I don't wanna hear about that. No, no, no. Jesus is telling us we need to make a choice we can Make. Is everybody good with that? Everybody understands that? So with that being said, I want to make sure we understand the terms that we're actually talking about today before I go on. We've actually got three terms that we've just blurred together. We kind of use as synonyms. And in order to really understand what Jesus is asking of us and what we're really dealing with in our world today, we need to separate them because they're not synonyms. Matter of fact, there's three different words and they're, or terms at least, and they're, they're kind of in a progression. And the idea of being anxious is in the middle. So when Jesus says, do not be anxious, the idea of being anxious is to feel uneasy about something with an uncertain outcome. Feelings of uneasiness about something with an uncertain outcome. Y'all know our problem? Pretty much everything in life has an uncertain outcome, doesn't it? So it's very easy to feel uneasy about almost everything. But then we use the word anxiety. Anxiety is step three, and it's not a synonym for being anxious. Being anxious is feeling uneasy. Anxiety is a state of being of excessive uneasiness. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you will confront your feelings, that'll help us avoid ending up in a state of being where the feelings are overwhelming. He's saying, do not be anxious Deal with what you can deal with. You can deal with the feelings of uneasiness as they begin to come over you. Now, some of your English versions actually say here, Jesus said, do not worry. And I never pick on a version of the Bible. They're all God's word and they can help you no matter what. So I'm not one of those preachers that tells you one version is better than the other. But in this particular instance, they are using worry as a synonym and it's not. And so I'm preaching out of this version today so that I can help us separate them. Worry is a different step. Worry is over here. Because worry is allowing your mind to dwell on all the negative possibilities. But the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. And so if we will confront what's going on in our mind, confront what's going on in our heart, we might be able to avoid ending up in a state that's overwhelming, y'all follow that? So what Jesus is, is working on today is why do you have these feelings? If you will deal with what you're thinking about God in your life, then you can confront how you feel about things and you might find yourself in a different situation. So with that foundation laid, everybody, let's jump in. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And he immediately goes to the point. The point is, is not life more than this? The answer is yes. I mean, if you were to explain life to someone, if, if someone comes from another planet or whatever the crazy story is you want to come up with, they say, explain life. And you say, oh, well, to have a job, to buy clothes. That's not life. And especially not for one of God's children. Because we understand life. Life is to glorify him, to serve his purpose. He created us. We're, we're here for fulfillment. We're here to accomplish something upon the earth. We're here to use our spiritual gifts. We're here to see our neighbors go to heaven. That's what life is all about. And that was what they had lost sight of 2000 years ago. They were God's people. And God says, you will be blessed to be a blessing. I will be with you, I will pour out my spirit upon you and every nation around will look to you and wanna be like you. But they had turned it into just trying to stay alive. They just wanted to survive. Oh, I just hope I have enough food. You see, they didn't have a Kroger to go to in January. So if their, their harvest didn't go well, they knew they would starve later. They were worried about having enough food to stay alive. They were worried about having clothes to stay alive because the sun is brutal in the Middle East and the cold is brutal at night. They were worried about just surviving life. They had made life into nothing more than breathing and eating, staying clothed. Well, the reality is you and I are not that basic anymore. If we could be honest, there are people in the world today who do have that struggle. You and I have been blessed far beyond that. None of us walk into our closet and say, gee, I wonder if there will be a piece of clothing there. You see, they didn't have 12 tunics to match 12 different pairs of sandals depending upon the color theme of the day. But we do. We don't ever walk into our closet wondering if there are clothes. We wonder if there are clothes that will make us look good to all of our friends. We never open our cabinet to wonder if there is food there. We only open our cabinet to see if something I'm in the mood for is there. You see, we've not turned life into survival, we've turned life into the greatest of pleasure. I want to go to the best restaurant. I'm in the mood for filet mignon. I want to go here. I want to do that. I want to take that vacation. Well, I was dressed to impress at the party last year and I was the most impressive person. Now I've got to get something even better because I can't wear the same thing again. Everybody's trying to outdo me so they will definitely win unless I step it up. You know, I've got to have better clothes. I've got to get a better car. I've got to take a better vacation. I've got to eat at the restaurant that everybody was talking about last weekend. But here's the problem. Since we have turned life into nothing more than get enough money, to keep up with the greatest experiences. We need to understand the reality of what brings us to a place of being anxious. You're trying to keep up with a game you can't ever keep up with. You go get that new purse that you saw your friend had on Instagram, then there we'll get another new one. You take a great vacation, your friend will outdo you. Somebody will go for a day longer. They will fly on a plane longer. They will go to a better place and they will have a kid smile bigger than your kid. Even if they just have to bribe the kid just to have a better picture. Y'all do know people do that on Instagram, right? All your friends talked about that great new restaurant last week. And so you, you stressed out over how to get enough money, move the budget around, don't pay your kids their allowance so that you can go out and you can eat. And you're ready to show up tomorrow on Monday to say, hey, guess where I went this weekend? And your friends are ready to say, oh, that's, that's nothing, man. I'm gonna tell you the coolest new restaurant. The sooner we realize that we have made life into a game that we can never win, the sooner that we can be less anxious by just surrendering. I don't have to have everything because what I have is what life is really about. I have my God, I have my purpose, I have fulfillment, and I will get food and I will have clothes and I will take vacations because my God is good, which is what Jesus is going to remind us of. So as we continue, that's exactly where he is. He says, hey, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Don't misunderstand the point here is not the birds. Point here is the word value. Are you not of more value than birds? God takes care of birds, man. Aren't you of more value? And the answer is yes. Our value, the value of anything is determined by what it costs. And we are the most expensive thing God ever purchased. He bought us with the blood of his son. In order to get you and me back in relationship with him, he had to watch his one and only son hang on a cross, dying of the most horrific death humanity had ever created. And then even in a moment, when all of the sins of the world were placed upon Jesus, relationally, God had to be separated from sin. And so he felt a break with his son he had never felt ever before. You and I are the most precious thing God has. We are of the greatest value of everything he has. The birds don't compare. The fish don't compare. The mountains don't compare. The children of God, his creation compare. We're it. And so when you begin to wonder, God, are you even watching? Do you see what I'm going through? Are you paying attention? Of course he does. Because you and I keep an eye on the most valuable things to us. We put security systems on them. We protect them. We guard them. We put them in safe little drawers. And God has done the same for you. He's never taken his eyes off of you. Matter of fact, one of the things that would help remove some of our anxiousness is if we could just understand our value. So when the devil goes, oh, God doesn't even care. God's not watching. You're gonna go, God paid way too much. He ain't watching me. Of course he's watching me. We need to remind the devil of our value. But we first need to remind ourselves of our value. We're the most precious, most expensive thing. Jesus says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus takes a little sarcastic jab with this one and I love that because I like to do that every now and then and it just makes me feel good about myself. You know, he preached this, we're looking in Matthew where he preached this in the Sermon on the Mount, but because he was on the earth for three years, he did preach some of his things more than once. And Luke records a different time when he preached this that he actually added in the sentence after he says, which of you can add an hour to a span of life? If you can't do such a small thing as that, I just think that's awesome. If you can't do such a little thing, create life, make it longer, Little thing like that. And his point is, that's a very little thing to my Father in heaven. If you can't do something that is so small to my Father in heaven, then why are you trying so hard to be God? Why don't you relax a little bit and take life as it comes? You're all anxious over trying to make everything go right, or you're anxious over whether or not my Father will do exactly what you want him to do. In other words, much of our being anxious is about either trying to be God or trying to approve of whether or not God's doing a good job. And Jesus is like, last time I checked, can't okay, none of y'all make life any longer, so why don't y'all lay off? Because the one who can do that, he's got things in his hands. Matter of fact, can I just point out the obvious? No one online or in this room had any anxiety about being born. No one in here was anxious about being conceived. None of us was like, oh no, oh no, I know, I hope I get to come to life someday. No, 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 you never had that thought. God handled that one all on his own. Totally and completely created you and put you here. And and, and he did that without any of your worry, without any of your problems. And matter of fact, maybe that's our real problem. Because if God can completely handle you being born, he will also completely handle how and when you die. And he will also completely handle a few decisions along the way. And so maybe many of us are anxious simply because We don't trust God. Maybe we've come to the realization, well, I wasn't in charge of being born. I won't be in charge of dying. And there are too many things that I haven't been in charge of. I guess God actually is in charge. And maybe our being anxious simply comes from not approving of some of the things God is doing. You know, apparently sometimes God doesn't get the memo. He's actually our servant here to make us happy. Ouch, that was not in my notes. I was nicer to the other service. But anyway, I don't know. Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. He brings it back to the whole point. It really is about trusting God. Don't you you realize God has taken care of you so far? God has done all of this. Look at what he does for the grass. How can you be worried? And he addresses a basic need, like clothing is the most basic need, right? But, but He did you notice he went beyond that? He closed the grass of the field. Y'all do realize grass doesn't need that. Grass doesn't need flowers. The grass will hold the soil there in erosion. The grass was a ground cover. The grass did its job and God said, yeah, but I'd like even the grass to be pretty. Let me go putting some flowers in here and let me do this. Think about this. How, How much are we abundantly blessed so far beyond our needs? Sometimes we think, well, I don't know if God's going to just come through on the most basic thing. Are you kidding me? Look at our lives. Since when do any of us worry about our most basic needs? We're like the grass, man. We've been given such incredible blessings. We've been given flowers we, we we don't even need. We've taken vacations that are beautiful. We've eaten great meals. God has blessed us. Turns out maybe God likes all those dandelions in our front yard. So just for the record, next time you go putting out your weed killer and trying to make that beautiful solid green, just remember you're making your grass naked. <laughs> therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? So he repeats his command and his whole point is, therefore, based on everything I said, now do not be anxious, meaning you, you can change. You can respond. You can choose not to be anxious. And if that's what he expected of them, then guess what? He expects the same of us. You and I also can choose to trust God or to stop trying to be God. He goes on to say, for the Gentiles seek after these things, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And this is the point of this installment of Jesus said, if you're not familiar with the word Gentiles, it was a word to describe those who were not God's people. God's people, they had his word, they had his commandments, they worshiped him, they prayed to him, they loved him, they went to his temple. And then there were people who didn't do that. They were not Israelites. And so everyone else who did not have the word of God, they did not follow the commands of God, they did not worship God, they did not pray to God. They they had no reason to believe that God was gonna be good to them because they didn't love God, they didn't know God. Jesus is saying, look, those people, maybe they've got something to worry about. But you... You know, my father in heaven, look what he's done in your life. The simple point is this, we should be different. When everybody else is anxious and panicking and and something is driving everybody to that state, you and I should be able to go, our God's got me. He always has, and he will again. We should be different. And then Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, again, food, clothing, everything, will be added to you. And this is worthy of its own sermon or maybe even a series. I preached on this verse at length in our kingdom series. So I'm not gonna do that today. If you'll allow me, I'm just going to highlight one aspect of it. I believe Jesus is pointing back to what he was saying in the beginning. Isn't life more than this? Yeah, it is. Life is about advancing the kingdom of God. Life is about the reason that you're on planet Earth. Life is about your neighbor who's not currently going to heaven. Life is about what God put inside of you to change the world. Life is about your purpose. Life is about the kingdom of God. That's what life is about. You do that, God will take care of your food. God will take care of your clothes. You'll take great vacations, I promise. Take care of God and what God is doing upon the earth. You take care of God's purpose for you. And then Jesus concludes this passage with, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And I think that he emphasized this last statement. I don't think it was a throwaway ending. Up until this point, he's been talking about, don't be worried about today. You're gonna have food, you're gonna have clothes. It's all gonna be good. And you can, you can see everybody just saying, okay, 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 fine, fine, Jesus. I, I'll relax about what I'm gonna eat for lunch today. And you're right, even if I have to skip lunch, I'm not gonna die, so that's okay. But Jesus, what about retirement? Jesus, what about this storm that's coming? Jesus, what about? And Jesus is real simple. Like, hey, before I quit, and some of y'all think that y'all can get worried about other stuff, God took care of your yesterday. He's got your today, and he's gonna have your tomorrow. You don't get an out to panic over your college funds, the future of the economy, the world you see around, no, no, no. God had it all under control before you ever even came to light on earth. He's got your yesterday, he's got your today, and he's got your tomorrow. And with that, you and I are left with a very simple question. What are we gonna do with what Jesus said? What are you gonna do the next time you feel worried? You're having thoughts, begin to feel uneasy. Maybe having a panic attack. Maybe, what are you gonna do when you're facing uncertain outcomes? We only have a choice two things. We can either continue just like we've been and just like everybody else in our world. We're just going to freak out and we're just going to have a moment and and, and we're just going to continue or we're going to confront these feelings of uneasiness. We're going to confront the thoughts that we're dwelling on. If you want to choose to confront which is what I believe Jesus was calling us to do I'm going to give you the most practical way to begin to remove some of the anxiousness from your life. Find something to write on, open up the note app app on your phone, and just begin to make a list of what makes you feel anxious. Just create a list. Talk to God. God, went. what makes me anxious? Just begin to collect this over the next few days or weeks. It may not take very long, I promise. You wake up feeling anxious. What were you dreaming about, thinking about? You get anxious at a thought of going into a meeting at work. Okay, you write that down. I mean, just create the list. And hear me when I say this. Everything on that list is gonna fall into one of two categories. There are only two categories. Everything on that list of what's making you anxious is gonna be one of two categories. One is a category of things that you can't do anything about. But you can do something about how you're responding to them. The other is a category of things you can do something about. So some, God's gonna call us to change our response. Others, God's gonna call us to change our lives. And what I mean by the things you can't do anything about, maybe you're facing a medical situation, you don't know the outcome, the doctors don't even know the outcome. But instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, instead of having feelings of unease, we actually have to apply the song we were just singing God, how great you are, all the things you've done, there's more to come, you've never abandoned me. What we're going to have to do is actually put faith in God in this situation, instead of responding, oh no, we're gonna have to say, God, I trust you, God, you're good. You've gotten me this far. If you're worried about the economy, I don't think anybody in here has the ability to change the world economy. but you can change how you're responding to the stock market, your retirement fund and everything else. You You can change whether or not you believe God is bigger than all of that. You can change how you're responding to the headlines. Anybody read the news? We can change our responses to some things. Maybe you're a teenager and you have to give a speech in class and you're overwhelmed. You're so anxious you can't sleep. You can't eat. Well, Maybe you need to change how you're responding to that. Because what you're most likely worried about, most of us, even the adults in that situation, we're we're actually more worried about what people think of us. We're not really worried about doing a good job. We're worried about whether or not our friends will make fun of us after class. We're worried about whether or not somebody will snap a picture at our worst moment and put it on Instagram. Here's the reality. You can't control how people are going to respond to you. The world is full of stupid people. I've said that before. You can't control them. But you can control doing your best, and that's it. So sometimes we simply need to control our response to things that are in our lives. <laughs> My favorite one, I have to be honest, people just get so upset about things that, as a pastor, maybe this is just a, uh, a career hazard, but the number of people that I've watched be anxious about a perfect wedding. Brides, come on. Woo! This is really the most ridiculous thing we could ever think about. I'm going to be the first bride in history to have a perfect wedding. I just laugh. I, I do these weddings, I go to these weddings, and, and every time, they're, they're thinking that, that they can actually control every circumstance. The most ridiculous thing in the world. You know what you can control it is like your dress size. That's what you can control. You can't control if the flower girl is gonna freak out because she's three years old, and at the rehearsal there weren't 300 people staring at her. You can't control that she's gonna scream. You can't control that a phone is gonna go off in the wedding because no, your great-grandparents do not know how to silence the phone, even if you tell them to seven times. You cannot control that the bridesmaid is gonna pass out because you wanted everybody to wear matching dresses and hers is three sizes too small. You can't control everything. And especially about, craziest thing, the number of outdoor weddings I've done and watching brides be anxious about the weather. Look, what are you doing getting married outside? I mean, you need to be an anxious, free person if you want to get married outside. I think the idea is beautiful, but be prepared. You can't control the perfect wedding. My favorite thing. There are actually YouTube videos of all these weddings of brides that are like, you know, bridezilla kind of thing. My favorite one that goes awry is when the, the, the best man takes the rings to give them to the groom and he trips. And this wedding was being held on a dock. And so the bride, the groom and the pastor all go for a swim. Listen, it, there are things in life you can't control. What you can control is your response. You should say, look, I'm gonna be happy if we get to the I do and the honeymoon. That's, it. That's That should be enough for you. Like just lower the standard. You can't control all the circumstances. But the other things, the other category, there's a whole nother category of things. Maybe we need to change some things in our lives. If you are anxious about whether or not you're going to get a promotion that's going to add some stress to your life and take some time away from your family. You know, some of these feelings of unease might actually be God talking to you. That might be God saying, hey, do you really think the extra money is worth the toll on your soul and your family? Might be, ever since you applied for that promotion, that anxiousness is God saying, how about you decline it before it's offered to you? Maybe if you are anxious about your finances and you know, you can't control the world economy, but you can control your finances. If you're not tithing, you're not generous, you're not following a budget, you should be anxious. You're doing nothing God's way and God's not in your finances. Don't be surprised, it's gonna be a mess. You can change that. Told you in a a message a little while back that I'd been renovating my house and it had taken two years longer than I planned. And then just as soon as I finished that and thought finally I have some peace, I can sit on my porch and and enjoy watching the birds. Then my son bought an as-is rehab sort of house and and I promised I'd help him. I even kind of talked him into buying it saying it's gonna be a great opportunity. We, you know. But if you remember I told you that I had been waking up with anxiety. I mean, I think it had reached a point, it was a state of excessive uneasiness. I would, I would have those thoughts in my dreams in the middle of the night. I would wake up in the morning, my first thoughts. And this was going on for a, a, an extended period of time. You see, the problem was that I was spending five plus days a week here in my office doing this job. And this job doesn't leave you even when you leave the office. And then I was spending two plus days a week up a ladder or with a hammer in my hand and the other time kind of worried about where that was gonna go. And, and I began to think about all the deadlines that I couldn't control and the things that were going wrong. And my wife not having a kitchen sink for three weeks and the look on her face was not a good one. And you know, the kids not having a living room floor for a few weeks and things like that. I mean, and you begin to realize like I'm the leader and, and my whole family is looking to me and prices are changing and, and my son is looking and everything. And I just, it was an overwhelming feeling and I had to just stop and say, God. And he pointed out real simply like, I didn't call you to build houses, dude. I pay you just enough. I mean, you, you get paid well, dude. Like, you should hire somebody. And I was even violating things that I taught. I was using my Sabbath to build and God's like, you, you know, I was constantly giving out, giving out, giving out and never getting anything for my soul. I was never getting time and... So I needed to say no. And I needed to stop. Maybe you need to say no to something in your life. Maybe you need to stop. If you've got a relationship that keeps bringing anxiety into your life, end it. Stop dating that person. If your finances make you anxious, we got a small group for that. Talk to a pastor. If, if you do it God's way, the anxiety is going away because he's got you. If your job, what, what if, everything on that list is going to go into one of two categories. Either you need to learn to trust God and things you can't control, or you need to change the things that are in your control. with that being said, I'm gonna close with something that I hope will inspire all of you. Many of you have heard of this. Some of you have a part of this, maybe on a decoration in your house. It's called the serenity prayer. Anybody? The problem is most of us, even the ones that have it on a decoration in our house, don't realize that's not the whole prayer. Most people, when I tell them this, they never knew there was more to it than that. The good news is if you want to write this down and you're about to frantically try to get every word, you don't have to, it is in the app on uh, the Grace Life app. It's in the notes for today. And as you get together in life groups, I'd encourage you, there's a couple of points in this. Talk about which one you're struggling with more than the other. But most of us think this is the full serenity prayer. This is uh, the, the opening lines of it. And it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. I'll give credit to the reason most of us, whatever decoration we have, it stops at this point. Because if you can figure that out, you're gonna gonna kill most anxiousness and anxiety in your life. The quicker that you realize God is going to decide how and when you're born, how and when you die and whether or not you get that job, God's gonna decide a whole lot. And God's put you in a world where he's put other people to make decisions that what you need to learn to do is accept God has given you a path. And when you live that path, trusting him, man, it's gonna solve a lot. And when you realize there are things that God made you to, he put you in the driver's seat and you can change the direction. And when you do that, man, how many things would get better? But the prayer does continue. It says living one day at a time Enjoying one moment at a time. And for me, this is the second major point for us to take from this prayer. We're not good at living one moment at a time, are we? Most people I know are not because we're anxious about the next moment. You can't enjoy this moment if you're worried about the one to come. And I think the more that we could learn to embrace the moment, the less we'd be anxious about the next. If if we could embrace more of the reality, there's no promise of another moment. It would be a real shame to actually get to heaven and be looking at Jesus saying, man, and I was all worried about what I was having for dinner. Oh my goodness, I spent all of my last moment. I didn't even enjoy that last lunch because I was too worried about what I was going to cook for dinner. I think if we could really just learn to enjoy right now, right here, whoever we're with, whatever we're doing, let's make the most of that. Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. I could do a whole sermon on how the Bible tells us, looking to Jesus, consider Jesus. And that's what this prayer is essentially saying. You do realize Jesus came and lived among sinful humanity in a broken world, and he did the job that he was called to do, He was spit upon, was mocked for telling the truth, and he was killed, although being innocent. And yet you and I think our life in this broken world should result in every job we want, every decision being the way we want, and every social media post being kind. I think we need to look to Jesus and realize He lived in a sinful world with his eyes on the kingdom and a purpose. And so it ends trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. This isn't scripture, so I can't preach it as strongly as I do the Bible, but I'm gonna tell you, I think The real problem for most of us when it comes to the anxiousness we feel the anxiety in our lives is because we're living for the wrong goal we're not living to be reasonably happy in this life i do think jesus was reasonably happy he had great moments and he had tough moments bible tells us he had moments where he tried to get away from people to rest and they wouldn't let him and they chased him down he had Moments where he was saying, God, please, can you take this from me? But he had other moments where he turned water to wine and went to a wedding. I think he enjoyed to some degree. You see, instead of us hoping to be supremely happy with him in the next, I think we're trying to be supremely happy with our circumstances in this life. It's a goal you can't have. No human, Jesus was not supremely happy with every circumstance of sinful humanity around him. How do we think we can have that goal? So I think if we could just change our goal, be reasonably happy. Jesus said in this life, you'll have troubles. The Bible's also clear in this life, we'll be greatly breath, blessed and enjoy our God. So I, I think if we could just God, you know what? I'm gonna be reasonably happy. I'm gonna have more good days than bad. In the tough times, I'm gonna look to you I'm gonna control what I can and I'm gonna trust you when I can. not Change the goal. And maybe some of our anxiousness will fade away. Can I pray for us? Jesus, we thank you for challenging us on something that we've decided is so normal. But we will say, these words are hard. We've, We've lived in a world that is so normal to be anxious that I'm not sure we all believe we can actually change that. So today, Jesus, we ask you, would you give us courage? Would you give us strength? Would you pour out grace in our lives to make tough decisions and to trust you in tough moments? Would you help us to be people who are not anxious? Would you give us supernatural strength when we need it and natural wisdom in this world when we need that? you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As we said, God loved you so much. He solved the greatest problem you'd ever have long before you even had it. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross so that his death could pay for your sins and so that his resurrection could pave the way for us to be raised to eternal life. It's called the free gift of salvation, but each of us does need to receive that gift at some point in time. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that wherever you are right now. Would you pray something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today Would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them? Amen.